Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington. And in this episode, I talked to Mark Mars about tomb rating SEO, which he'll explain what it is, info content and FAQs. So this is a rebroadcast. I published it last summer, but it's a good episode. So I thought, hey, it's been a while. Maybe people forgot about it. And uh, thing is, I had another episode scheduled for today, but I had some scheduling issues with the person that I was supposed to interview. There were like multiple cancellations and you know what? It ends up being a couple days beforehand and I was like, oh shit, what are we going to do? So sometimes I'll just, I mean, I could record an episode, a new fresh episode, but my brain's a little tired right now. And I thought, we have this big archive of other shows. So we're going to tap into it, especially over these summer months, you know, at the end, I'll give you some, uh, you know, new stuff. I have a a little something I want to riff on basically, you know, taking advice from bad sources or people that are generally unqualified. I think it could be a whole episode, but I'll just riff on it a little bit at the end. So stick around for that portion of it. And a quick note, This uh, episode is not sponsored by Niche Website Builders or anything, but I am an affiliate, so keep that in mind. They do have several services out there, and they have a new, I believe it's an internal linking service, and we do touch on the topic in this episode. I know sometimes people are unsure how to approach internal link building. There are tools, of course, like uh, Link Whisper that make it easier, but sometimes you don't know like the strategy to take. And their service addresses that. So if you head over to Niche Website Builders and you navigate to their services, you'll see their internal link building service and it's worth checking out. I think that's it for now. So I'll catch you on the other side here and let's send it to the interview with Mark. And Mark, how are you today? Yeah, no, good. Thanks. How are you, Doug? Doing awesome today. It's always, like I said, it's always fun to talk to you and hear what's going on at the agency and within your portfolio. And that's what we're going to focus on today, like what's working, um, maybe a couple other details along those lines. And I mean, I, I talk to a lot of people, but since you're running the agency, you have a lot more data and a lot more information and you're having a lot more conversations. So before we get into the specifics How's everything going? Any new products or anything interesting over at Niche Website Builders? Uh, no, 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 particularly, not, no new products in particular. Um, you know, we recently launched the FAQ content, um, which we'll talk a little bit about today. Kind of, we're seeing more and more results from that now. Um, yeah, and that's kind of the, yeah, that's kind of the main thing that, that's newish within the agency. So no, no other new services, just more of the same and improving our processes all the time. Awesome. Very cool. Well, let's get into the specific actionable areas. And one of them is, um, it looks like you're trying to do some uh, smart branding here. So you're calling it tomb rating <laughs> SEO. So what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, taking a leaf out of your book, Doug, with the KGR, you know. So, you know, we decided to give it a name because we're using this a lot and we're trying to explain it to, to 
to clients is something that we've been it's something that we tried out it's, it's not rocket science when you when you hear what it is but it's kind of like a cool way to to do some keyword research essentially um but um yeah we wanted to give it a name because we we, we talk to people about it all the time and actually we just wanted people to become familiar with what we're talking about. We're having to explain many steps of the process before we kind of understand what it is. So, so yeah, we call it Tomb Raiding SEO. Um, essentially, um, we're using this mostly with our expired domain packages, although it applies to any site that already has some authorities, already an existing site. So you can't really do this technique if your site is brand new and you've got no authority whatsoever. And I'll explain why. So basically what, what we're doing here is uh, – when we start with an expired domain or an existing site, we take a look, use Ahrefs to take a look at all of the competitors uh, that are within that, within that space. Um, so we dig out the biggest list that we can find of direct competitors of the, of the site that we're working on or the domain that we're working with. And then we use uh, some of the industry metrics like trust flow and uh, domain rating, uh, domain authority. And we basically take those metrics from all of the sites and all of the competitors that we found, including our own site. And then we simply just add up all of those metrics. It's, it's like six metrics that we have. We add them all up um, and that gives us a number at the end and and then we just order the sites including our, us and the competitors um from you know the highest number to the lowest number and what's happening here is that you know we're trying to, to work out where our site or where our domain exists in the competitor landscape you know what sites are would we deem as a higher authority than us and what sites would we deem as a lower authority and by using a number of different metrics we're kind of um trying to level out that playing field because not none of the metrics are you know endorsed by google they're all kind of they all have kind of slightly different numbers so by using many several different metrics we're just trying to hopefully kind of flatten that kind of margin for error but it's and it's not perfect but it's the tools that we've got to work with and the metrics we've got to work with so yeah so we get to that point where we we know then which sites are above us and which sites are below us uh, in terms of authority. And then we take a look at all of, all of the sites that are below us and see what keywords they're ranking for and what pages they're ranking for. And that, um, and what we're essentially doing here is saying, well, if, you know, th th if these pages are lower authority than us and they can rank for these terms and they're getting traffic for these terms, chances are that we can rank for these terms as well. And when you think about it, you know, if you do, you know, in inverted commas, traditional keyword research where you're just maybe using keyword, uh, uh, sorry, keyword difficulty scores or domain rating or something to try and, oh, sorry, keyword difficulty scores to try and work out what, to try and find those low authority keywords. Generally, what happens is you'll write a load of content and a whole bunch of it won't rank and will never, never will rank. And you'll, you'll generally find that, you know, averaged out like 20% of your content is like 80% of your traffic. And so what we what we found here and what we're trying to do here is say is actually kind of increase that number. So actually we, we because we've because the sites below us have already done the hard work in work in doing that keyword research, ranking for what they are able to rank for, we can essentially raid in the tomb raiding expression, raid them for their best keywords and their best pages, with the thought being that if they can rank for them, then then so can we. Um, and that's essentially kind of our process that we've been using. And we've been doing this since the, since the end of last year, and we just continue to see really good results for it. Um, and we're just doing, using that more and more for existing sites and um, um, it, uh, 
domi- uh, H domains. Got it. Uh, and so can you tell us the, all, all the metrics that you're adding together? So you have six of them, you said? I th- yeah, I think at the top of my head, it's the domain rating, um, uh, URL rating, so the, the, the Ahrefs metrics, domain authority, page authority, trust flow, and citation flow. There may be eight, but I think it's, I think it's those six that we're using. Okay. And obviously some of those are page level and some are domain level. So are you just looking at the main domain URL and then looking at all the keywords? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Okay. So you're not just to be clear for everyone watching. So you're not necessarily looking at every single page in every URL rating, the UR and in, in every individual. No, 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 no. Okay. That's right. No, yeah. Okay. And, and I guess, uh, and I guess the next step actually is one, one thing I've missed that when we get to that point is that, um, we're then for the page, for the site that we've found that's ranking for a specific keyword or ranks ranking a specific page, we then try to use, you know, effectively correlate that page with the page that we create. So we'll, we'll roughly work out the number of, um, uh, words, well, we'll work out the number of words that that page is. And generally, we add, we add, around, about, add, add around 10% so that we can kind of go to a little bit more detail. But also, it gets us to add, we're able to add in some maybe FAQs to just give it a little bit more kind of topical authority as well. So we're trying to cover the same stuff that's already on that page because we want it to, you know, they managed to rank with the, the way that they've structured the article and the topics that they've included. So we try to include that the same. Um, and then maybe add a little bit more, and like I say, some FAQs just to make it actually better than the article that's already there. Um, nice. And so we're not happy to use like correlation tools like uh, Surfer or Market Muse or anything like that um, because we're just correlating against one page. We're not trying to correlate against, against the top 10 or the top three or whatever. And actually we find that you know, it's just keyword research is easier and, it, and it's more effective this way around because you're just finding the, the easy pages first rather than trying to find a keyword, you use something like Surfer, you find that, you know, you want to correlate against the top 10, but all the top 10 are like much more higher, like higher authority than you. And you have to kind of either, you probably just have to give up on that keyword because you're not going to rank for it. And then you have to do it again and again and again and again. Um, sure. And until you find some decent keywords that you can you know, rank for. And so, yeah, we generally correlate against the one page that is ranking that we know what is working for somebody else. <sighs> Nice. And that's a good shortcut. I remember when we first started working together, I did ask like about any on site or content optimization tools. There's many of them out there. So, um, and, and you mentioned this, which I mean, it makes, it makes good sense. I mean, you're just going straight to the individual source, which you're basing the content and the keyword competition from. So that makes sense to me. Are there any, pitfalls with this do people need to watch out have you seen or heard of anyone making a mistake while trying to implement now that you're you know sharing these kind of techniques we've only just started publicly well we've been sharing the technique for a little while but we've only just given it first actually giving it a name so i'm not i'm not sure of anyone outside us that's doing that's that's following that technique i'd love to know if anybody is or has um it's it's reasonably foolproof, I would say. I mean, the, the, I guess the one thing you've got to make sure is that you're picking the right competitors. Once you've done that, the rest should be pretty straightforward. As long as you know how to a- use Ahrefs and see which pages are ranking for a site mm-hmm. and are able to dig into that data a little bit, then um, 
then yeah, it's it should be pretty straightforward. Yeah, I can't think of anything other than if someone just pulls the the stats wrong out of a tool, <laughs> which would just be yeah. you know, a, a plain old mistake. But yeah, it seems fairly straightforward. Or, I mean, the other thing is I, I see this a lot with KGR is the content's just shitty. Like if someone writes it and it's just really bad and it's poor grammar and someone won't get past the intro, well, that's just mm-hmm. not going to work because it's so poorly written. And sometimes people they don't know how bad the content is and they just don't have an eye to judge like how, how poor it is. I see that far too often. It's kind of amazing these days. So yeah. yeah All right. Agree. Any, anything else with the, the tomb rating to throw in before we move on? No, I think the only thing is I'd say that, you know, I've, I, we've, we've got lots of good examples of this, but I've, I use this on one of my sites for my, for my own portfolio as well. Um, which I started around about November last year. Um, so what are we eight or nine months in? Um, the site's getting around 125,000 visitors a month at the moment from about 200, 200 pages. So it's, it's, it's purely info content. Um, it's the niche that it's in pretty much lent itself only mostly to niche to, to info content is there probably will be some other ways, but it's, there's not products or anything like that. Um, but yeah, we, I used this technique when we, and this is when we were first going to try and get out. And um, this was one of the test sites that we, that we did. And, um, yeah, it grew, yeah, it just grew really quickly once, once, um, it was an expired, so I should say it was, it was an expired domain, but it was quite low, low. It was like a DR12, something along those lines. It had just under a hundred referring domains. Um, and yeah, over, after a couple of months, it really started to take off. Uh, it's got, like I say, it's 125,000, um, ses- sessions a month, um, from, um, from 200 or, uh, or so pages. So, um, just, I just, uh, I've been a bit slow, but I've just got that sort of approved on Azoic now. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But in theory, 120,000, uh, page views, it should, it should be getting maybe two and a half thousand a month, maybe 3,000 even. So we'll see, we'll see where that comes out of that. Very cool. And you said you just got it approved for Ezoic? Uh-huh. Yep. And were you monetizing it all before? No, no. Okay. <laughs> Not at all. I haven't got, just hadn't got around to it yet. But. Gotcha. And actually, I was going to ask, you know, re- related, I have I have a couple sites where I've, I'm still letting them grow and I haven't started monetizing them much. So you said you just didn't get around to it. Is there some threshold that you were, you know, sort of waiting for or would advise people to wait for when they're growing a site and they have the flexibility? It just grew up. It just grew pretty quickly. You know, it's, it's, it, you know a few months ago it was 20, 30,000 and then, and, and then suddenly it just grew really quickly to, so, and then, you know, there's the approval process, which takes a couple of weeks for Azoic, but there's no threshold uh, now with Azoic. You can kind of get in uh, any level, or it used to be 10,000 sessions. So, um, yeah, you, you, as long as your site meets certain criteria, you can get in uh, at the lower level now as well. So there's no, there was no, there was no reason for waiting other than I was just busy doing other stuff. Right, it, it grew a little <laughs> too fast. Awesome. Yeah, we'll have to check back in once it's, um, <clears throat> you know been able to be optimized and all that kind of stuff. So very cool. And just curious how, so it's 200 articles about if you had to estimate like the average article length for those 200 articles. Yeah, I do know. I did know this. It's around 
I think it's around 1300, uh, th yeah, 1300 words. So not, not, they're not huge long articles and they're all re well, actually, no, that's a lot. There are, there are some that are particularly long and there are some that are particularly short, but generally they're all around in that range. Um, just because that's where the competition was and that's, that was good enough to, to rank. So they're not particularly long articles either. So it's not a, a huge number of words given the number of pages really. And then uh, what, what are the plans for? Are you going to keep adding a lot more keyword or a lot more articles because there are a lot more keywords or are you in an optimization phase, adding FAQs and such? No. So um, definitely going to be just to uh, continue to add more keywords. So uh, more pages. So I think I can easily double the number of pages without exhausting everything that I've caught. Maybe, maybe a little bit more. So it's just a matter of, if there's, if there's going to be enough, I think you could, I could end up writing for quite a long time on these, but, but it's just a matter of like, you know, at some point it's not going to be, there's not going to be enough search volume for it to be kind of worth continuing to write every single article that I could possibly write on this topic. So, um, and are you thinking you're going to sort of keep it for the long haul or is it one you're going to flip potentially? No, for the, for the long haul. So I've been purposely, so Adam and I, Adam, the co-founder of Niche Website Builders, like he's he's a fast flipper, so he'll flip stuff within a month or a couple of months. I'm kind of a more of a long, like he, he generally buys and then grows and then sells, and whereas I, I generally start, keep them for longer, like a year or two, and then sell. And I always have that kind of sell point in mind, but I, just recently I've kind of wanted to just build in like a foundation of sites that are just for cash flow that I'm going to keep for a much longer period of time. I don't know how many years, but they're, they're not really designed to sell. They're just designed to make, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven thousand uh, a month just for a, on an ongoing basis. And I just kind of maintain them. So um, I'm kind of continuing to do the flip thing with other sites, but I just want to add this additional level of just like, these are just ones that uh, info sites, uh, info evergreen sites that should just last forever. Um, and also just keep an eye on them. So. Here's a thanks to Otis, one of the sponsors of the show. Otis is the source for premium age domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. The feature domain for today is called sitebuilder.ws, and it was a digital marketing agency that offers services, including website design and development, SEO, and digital marketing solutions, and, you know, full suite of marketing stuff. They also offer done-for-you website builds for companies that couldn't do it themselves. This site was founded back in 2006, so it's 16 years old, domain rating of 34, domain authority of 26, and it has about 200 referring domains and 119 of those are do follow. I think this one's sort of a slam dunk as far as what to do with it. You have a few options. You can uh, you know, feature products and other software courses, stuff like that that um, people could use to develop their website. In addition, you can have uh, your own services. So if you wanted to step into the digital marketing agency role or build done-for-you sites, which is a quite popular thing to do, this would be a perfect domain. Of course, informational content will be no trouble at all because people are constantly trying to figure out how to do certain things. How do I add a header? How do I add ads to my website? 
what plugins to use for certain things. So there's tons of informational content that you you can write very easily, and it's almost endless because of uh, the way uh, tools are developed and the different combinations of things that people can use. And well, there's just a ton of topic areas that you can cover. So this is one that you could uh, check out, sitebuilder.ws. It's available at Otis right now. And if you join using my affiliate link, you can get $100 in your account. If you buy anything in the future, I might get a commission. So thanks a lot to Otis. And let's get back to the show. Very cool. Yeah. So moving on to a product you mentioned before, one that I really like and just a technique that I enjoy is the FAQ service. So essentially that is adding frequently asked questions, but do you want to dive into some of the the differences in the way that, that you guys implement and maybe some of the results if you have any examples uh, you know, fresh in mind? Yeah, so we do some. We've got we've kind of uh, used some tools, but used some uh, some of the tools that we've been developed kind of internally to really mine like all of the FAQs that we can find on specific topics. So we we end up normally with a few hundred kind of FAQ uh, uh, questions, or, or many hundred, in fact, and then, then we have to consolidate them down and work out um, you know which ones are kind of. That's basically asking the same question, but a different way. Um, and we generally do that by it's simply like Googling them. And if you end up with the same results by Googling two different questions, you've basically got the same search intent. So you kind of need to decide which one you're going to use. Um, and you can kind of, um, yeah, that, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But that's, that, that's, that's kind of what we're doing. So, Without FAQ service, there's there's two ways that you can use it. You, you and, and and both have been really effective for us. Is you're just literally doing it as a keyword research thing. So you're essentially answering question a, a question, depending how long the answer is, or a series of questions on a topic, uh, and and create an article out of it. Um, and those can be like you know really good as f- for kind of new articles, but it also works great for supplementing existing articles. So you know once you've once you've uh, written some articles and they've been sitting around for a year or two, you really should be looking to refresh them because they've they've been sitting there for a while. They're growing stale. Google's going to eventually kind of just let them, uh, you know, ride off as newer articles kind of uh, come into play and, and rank above you. So you kind of want to kind of try and keep them fresh. So um, this is a great, like an easy way really of kind of just, add, just adding some content to existing content and, uh, changing the the published date and refreshing that 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 content, um, but also generally, you know, it, it can really help improve, you know, what what you had before because, you know, Google wants whichever article you write, it wants you to answer answer the questions of the searcher. So if you're adding some some of those questions that are commonly asked within the topic that that article is about, then Google's going to more likely see much more favorably because you're asking some of the questions that people are asking and, and that Google are telling us they're asking with the people also asked uh, boxes. Um, so, um, so that's generally the way that we use it. Um, again, we're just finding, you know, it, there is varying success with the, uh, with the FAQs stuff, but generally, you know, if we end up growing a 
a bunch of content. Generally, we were, you know, we're overall we'll see kind of positive results for, on existing articles, but also it's great, as I say, for new articles because you're covering a lot of questions being answered in, in one go on a topic. And you mentioned maybe combining a series of questions. How do you sort of determine that? Um, is it, you know, fairly manual and you just think about, oh, I can group these questions because they're all about um, digital SLR cameras that people use for YouTube. So, you know, all right, all these questions are about that. I'll just throw them in. It's 1300 yeah. words or so. This will be great. So we're using um, Keyword Cupid to do some of that clustering for us. So it's slightly less manual. So um, within the, yeah, within Keyword Cupid, you're, you're able to do that. So you're able to throw in kind of a bunch of keywords and it kind of will cluster them for you. We're still doing certain, like a manual exercise after because it's, it's not always 100%. Uh, it doesn't always 100% make sense. So it kind of has like needs a sanity check from a real human being. Um, but yeah, that's generally kind of the way that we're doing it. So um, yeah, it cuts down on cuts down on the manual time. Okay. And I think, you know, like I asked before, any issues with, you know, using this technique and you already covered part of it where searcher intent is something that you could check by Googling similar terms and seeing if you get the same results just in a different order, something like that. So any other issues with using the FAQ technique? Um, yeah, I, I can't think of anything, anything on the top of my head. I'll tell you what, you, um, Adam deals with this stuff all the time because he's doing he's, he's he's doing the keyword research for the content stuff. So he probably have some better answers. So if you if you, I think you're going Adam on in a few weeks' time on the on the podcast. So yeah, ask him that question. He he might have some better better answers for you. But I can't think of anything. But he's involved more in the day to day of that. Okay, and just I was going to say I know I've seen a lot of like great impacts when I've done this for the last several years. And I know one site that I've neglected funny enough, especially from an SEO standpoint is niche site project, especially going back and updating things. So for example, there's things that I, I wrote a few years ago and I've updated them over time. And I kind of, I like, honestly, I don't have much else to say on it. Like I think it stands. I am resisting going back to update things and refresh them like you're talking about and maybe adding FAQs and it's only a matter of time where I'm going to like have to go back and do those sort of things. But it is, it's funny. A lot of SEOs or marketing people neglect their own sites and do, I mean, we have our <laughs> own, we have our own affiliate marketing sites, our own content sites where we're, we're implementing better, but I know it's really easy to not blog and not post on your own site. So I struggle with <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. In, in wrapping it up, I know in some of the uh, pre-recording chat, um, a lot of this is really just about content. So I know you kind of wanted to make a point about that, but um, yeah, what, what do you have to say around that? It's all about content. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of, a, you know, I mean, it's, I think, I think the reason I kind of want to, like, uh, to mention this is that, uh, you know, see, there's lots of things people talk about, about core web vitals and you know, kind of other kind of issue things with, with Google, uh, you know, Google updates and things like that. And at, at the end of the day, um, 
you know, the way that we do it, the way we do it with our own sites now, in our own portfolios, but also kind of what we try to do with clients is that you know, at the end of the day, if you just keep churning out content that's been well, you know, got good, some good research behind it and keep, keep publishing new content, you know, you're going to get there in the end. You're going to be success. You're going to be successful. And I, and I did to that, you know, links is also, I mean, content's still number one. You can't, you can't, you can't get anywhere without any content. You got to have content, but then, you know, links is still a quick, a close second. And what we've kind of found it's in some of this process for when we're doing this tomb raiding SEO is that sometimes we see some real outlier sites. So we'll see a site that's a DR one that's got kind of no, no links to it, you know, barely. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's an outlier. It's outranking sites that are much higher authority. Um, and they're great if you can find those because they're obviously doing something right because they're not, they haven't got, you know, they haven't got the authority. They haven't got the backlinks yet. They're still on So that would suggest that on page is, you know, where they've got it right. So that's why we try and correlate against those, those sites. Um, however, you know, more and more when I'm kind of researching these sites and, and seeing, uh, these outliers, um, I'm seeing that generally over time it kind of catches up with them so they might have extraordinary growth growth um and um, but eventually their the, their lack of authority kind of catches up with them and and they you start to see them coming down the other side a little bit or or a lot in some cases and um i think that's just because uh, yeah like i say the google catches up with their lack of authority so um now i think once you start to really get some traction and, and get with some content if you've got a brand new domain you haven't you know, you're not using an expired domain. And definitely, I think once you start seeing that traction, it's just to, it's just to uh, firm up that kind of um, success that you're having with some links. Um, and, and I think, you know, you, you, things are going to stand in, in better stead kind of longer, longer term. Very good. And I know I, I have seen some of those anomalies as well. And you've tried to figure out, oh, how is this site getting so much estimated traffic based on the tools that we have like hrefs or semrush with you know virtually no links and you know like you said potentially google catches up with them and they see oh there there's hardly any authority like it's kind of weird but then also with a tomb rating strategy there's seos out there that are identifying and then they're publishing similar content so the the traffic drops even if you know nothing else changes just because uh-huh. you know maybe you're you're working on uh, link building or you're working on an age domain for example and y- your example was great too on the all info site with 200 posts it really i mean i had a handful of links so you said around 100 but the domain rating was like 12 which is fairly modest i mean that's pretty that's pretty low like someone can get a site built up to that in not too long. I mean, I would say a few months to be yeah. able to hit a DR of 12. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I'll give, uh, you know, one, one little plug. We haven't talked too much about link building, but one of the services that people can get a discount on is the shotgun skyscraper, right? So that'll be 15% cheaper. That's right. Okay. And you, you guys worked on a campaign for me and it was a, a brand new site and 
you guys took it to about a DR48 or 49 in about six months or so. Now, I know some people are nervous to build links to a brand new site, but I'm a marketer. And when I've launched new stuff, like I have a new podcast, I've told a lot of people about it. And guess what? It has a lot of links because I know a lot of people in my partner, he knows a lot of people too. So it's not that weird if you have a plan and you're a marketer, like that's what people do. They market their stuff. So anyway, I, I had you guys uh, work with me for several months. You did an awesome job. And I know a lot of people that I referred had great success with the shotgun skyscraper as well. So um, I, I hope it's still, you know, running as well. I've, pulled back the throttle on that, but any comments on the the shotgun campaigns that may be going on? Yeah. So uh, what I would say a couple of things is one, um, the, like people vastly, what I found is people vastly underestimate how many links you can build and the velocity you can build. Yes. You don't want to go too crazy, but actually the number of links you can build each month and, and, and still be within that kind of safe zone is a lot higher than, than people think. You know, people start thinking once you get to five a month, they're like, well, like kind of slow down on a new site, but it, it's, it's not, you know, if you're, if you're doing 25 a month, even on the new site, it's, it's, it's fine. Like we've seen, we've done that time and time again and, and, and not seen any kind of negative impact on that. So I think all I say is like the threshold is higher than you think for like what's acceptable or not. Now, if you're trying to build a hundred links a day, then that might be something that's a bit more of a problem. Um, so that's what the first thing, but at like, you know, 25 less than one a day, like you say, if somebody's launched a new site, there's no reason why they couldn't kind of get that uh, if they've got an audience or, or, or are able to share it or something. Um, second thing I'd say is that, you know, it's shotgun still working. Like, you know, we had, we had a period where when we first launched the shotgun service over, over a year ago, now we were able to get like lots and lots of free links and it was great. And we kind of had to adapt the service as we go, as people come more savvy about uh, the value of links and, and end up having to pay more, more, more of the time for links. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean just because, you know, there's very there's a concern amongst a lot of people that if you're paying for a link it's bad you know and like whereas the same link I could have got a month ago before was free and now they've clocked on so they're charging us and therefore now it's bad um, it, you know it's, it just it doesn't quite work like that so you know yes you might have to pay for some links now um, yes you can still get some free ones if you want but they're kind of it's it's not as easy as it once was but. Um, as long as you do some proper due diligence on the sites that you're getting the links from and you're making sure that they, that the, you know, that they're, they're good. They're not link farms. Um, and, and and we've, I think we've done a podcast before on like the the things you should look out for when like, uh, building links from sites that, um, so as long as you're doing that due diligence, then it's still good. And it's still, it's still a great way of, it's still a relatively cheap way of acquiring links. Uh, even through our service compared to our, our link pack service or other guest posting services, um, it's still a really good value. And you get a, a shotgun skyscraper piece of content as well to include it within that price as well. And, yeah. and one, one last uh, question around that. How many, so you get this great skyscraper article and I think the ones that you wrote for me were, you know, three, 4,000 words or so. So really, really comprehensive, a lot of Mm -hmm. different topics in there. How many internal links from that skyscraper post do you recommend like to, to try to spread that link juice to other parts of a person's site? 
Um, it's, it's, I don't think there's a limit on it. It's just, it's just to know that if you are, the more pages that you that you that you add links to, the more you're going to dilute. You're going to reduce the amount of link juice that you're passing to each page. So the number of outbound links on a page kind of is kind of like uh, you know, you're, you're splitting it. So all of the link juice that we bring into that skyscraper article, um, if the more pages you're linking out to, then that's going to divide that link juice that you're provide spread out, which is fine. You can and there's no harm in doing that. It's just to be aware if you want to specifically rank a couple of different pages, then maybe you just uh, you just choose one or two uh, and pass as much as that link juice through as possible. But there's no, there's no hard or fast rule. It's just knowing that you're diluting <laughs> if you're doing that. Thanks to Mark and Niche Website Builders. You could check out that uh, internal link building service I was telling you about. And they have a ton of others as well. They do like guest posting. They got the shotgun skyscraper campaign. They have Haro link building. They write a bunch of content. In fact, I have an update coming up before too long from the case study that I was doing with Niche Website Builders where we published about 200,000 words over the course of four months. So that update should be coming out pretty soon. But one thing I did actually record ahead of time. Now I'm just talking gibberish here. What, what am I trying to say? The, I have another episode about that website, about how I got a hundred referring domains and a DR of 49 in under six months. That episode is coming out in a couple weeks. So keep an ear open for that one. And I probably will be doing other updates where I give like a proper update and talk about the traffic and the earnings and the increase of those things. And one little sneak peek is that traffic is up a, you know, relatively significant amount where you can see it on the analytics and the graph and the earnings are, they grew a little bit, but they didn't track along with the traffic, which is a little bit, well, it's unfortunate, but the fact is uh, advertisers right now, they're potentially not spending as much. And I know I've chatted with a few people about their uh, just affiliate earnings in general, and people are not spending quite as much. Of course, the there's a bit of an economic downturn, a recession in play, and that, that changes things and companies react a little differently as far as advertising. Consumers buy things in a, in a different way, or maybe they hold off. They think, oh, I don't need to buy that extra um, camera lens. I got to come up with more examples. I just constantly talk about camera lenses and cameras and microphones because those are the things that are uh, right in front of my face here. Okay. The, the other topic that I wanted to uh, just chat about quickly, which I've had a post-it note on my table here for a while, that is just uh, taking advice from bad sources. And I think I'm going to pick on Facebook groups specifically, but I'll, I'll pick on a, a couple other people, no one specific. But the issue here is taking advice or taking your you know data points from essentially bad sources, people that are either unqualified, maybe they're just regurgitating 
what they've heard and they have no firsthand experience, or it could be people with like different goals. So those are, it's kind of like one class that I'm looking at. So I'll cover the other one in a second. As I mentioned, I can easily pick on the Facebook groups, even though, uh, to be honest with you, I haven't really participated in a Facebook group in a very long time. But what I saw sort of continually is just people that don't really know what they're talking about, but they they consume a lot of information. So they, uh, they're rich with information with no real firsthand experience. And it doesn't mean that the you know, inherently a hundred percent of the time that it isn't valuable, that someone is regurgitating information to you, but you have to understand what their source was. And I think sometimes what happens is, you know, people will read something and they'll write, write it in a Facebook group or they'll talk about it. And then you're playing a game of telephone where you are getting the information like fifth hand and it might lose a little bit of its accuracy. And I mean, it may have been completely inaccurate in the first place. And it's really hard to tell that in a, you know, a Facebook group. Now there are certainly people that are very reliable. Some Facebook groups are really high quality and maybe I should have used a different example and just said a community or discussion area. It could be in person. It could be a forum. It could be the comment section of YouTube videos or TikTok or Instagram or whatever. So the other portion of that is just the comments that can go back and forth and the trolling that could happen where people are arguing over the minutiae of details that don't really matter in the first place. And then you end up thinking something is really important, even though it's not maybe that important at all. So there's a lot of unqualified people that are providing guidance sometimes And the maybe worst example to get away from the community aspect is just people that blog and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And I, it's kind of strange. I've actually seen some of these folks around for years, like they started around the same time I did and they are pushing affiliate products and affiliate courses and they've never actually done the thing that's in the course so they're they're just around reviewing things ad nauseum and it's kind of amazing it's you know why affiliate marketers and sometimes internet marketers get a bad name because they are pushing products without any real firsthand knowledge of what's in the um products, using the products, they've never actually been successful. And that's where you end up in a situation where it's like, what, what are these people doing? Like they've, they've only figured out how to market the product. Yeah. It, it ends up being a really weird situation. Those people are out there. And I remember, you know, checking out their blog. They're like, yeah, I just wanted to document my journey and go along the way. And they've never really progressed or done anything but they are still around. They are just persistent. Maybe they'll work it out at some point, but uh, the couple people that I'm thinking of specifically, I'm like, man, I can't believe they're still around. They've, you know, maybe they're, uh, I'll just make up an example. They're active on Twitter and they've always been active on Twitter. So they are connected with and communicate with 
some of the legitimate people in the space and I'm like, oh man, how, how did they, how did they end up in, in that spot where p- people are interacting with them? I don't know. Maybe it's okay. And maybe I'm, I'm taking it a little too seriously. All right. The other area there is people with different goals. So you could be, you know, looking to people trying to get guidance from them and they are trying to do something a hundred percent different than what you are. It could be the scope of what they're trying to do. Maybe they are trying to grow like a huge multi-million dollar company and you're trying to work on something on the side and you're um, sort of taking those lessons and trying to apply it to a much smaller project. And that could be a problem if you don't you know, consider the scope of what you're doing. So I won't go into any examples here. Nothing really jumps to mind. Yeah, nothing jumps to mind, but maybe I'll come back to it if, if I do come up with an example. All right, the other category is kind of a weird one, and I wasn't, I wasn't sure how to explain this exactly, but I'm thinking of, again, I won't mention these specific people because that would be kind of a jerky thing to do, but there are certain people and I'm not friends with any of them. They've never been on the show. So it's probably no one in like whoever you're thinking, but you can think of an example yourself. These seem like used car salesmen or oh, maybe even new car salesmen, some sort of car salesperson. But basically they're such good speakers and they're so convincing with what they're saying that it's hard not to think anything different. So I can think of a couple people that are fairly well-known and and they seem to be well-liked. And I remember taking a little bit of advice in a certain, um, like a, maybe like a social media marketing area. And they were like, you, you really need to do this. Like you, this is critical. If you don't do it, you're, you know, you're basically, you're making a huge mistake. You really need to do this. And I was like, Oh man, okay. Like I, I should do this. And I got started with it. And I mean, I lost a little bit of steam, but the funny thing is just a few months later, that person stopped too. So I was like, well, what the fuck is it? Like, was it that critical or are you just a good salesperson? And then of course I, I kind of backed up a little bit, looked at the big picture and yeah, that person was a great salesperson. They were a wonderful, uh, persuasive speaker. And as I zoomed out and thought about other examples of that, I thought of another, uh, podcaster and marketer out there who is also a, you know, fantastic speaker. And they literally were a used car salesman. And, uh, that's, you know, part of their branding. And I mean, the thing is like more power to them. Like it's, it's just not the right audience for me. But what I realized was if someone is a little too convincing and they're, they have uh, very little humility and they seem overly confident, I am likely to not trust them. Not, not at the surface level. Anyway, I put up my defenses and I'm not, it may not be uh, a, a good thing. I'm not suggesting that everyone do that, but if people are a little too convincing and they don't really provide what seems to be a full spectrum of information, meaning 
it's really easy to mention all the great things about a product or process or service or a, even just an idea. But if you don't poke holes in it and talk about the cons, then it seems like you're trying to hide something. And that's what this uh, person seems to do all the time. And I just, I just don't trust them. And part of it is my own uh, like biases that I have where I'm like, if someone's trying too hard to sell me something, I think there's something going on. I, I, don't, I don't trust them too much. And I don't know. It's, it's a little odd. It's like they're trying to sell me a timeshare thing and I just want to get out of there. I'm curious what you think. Feedback at Doug.show. If, uh, if, am I off base on that? Does anyone else have similar feelings where, you know, someone is just a little too convincing and they're like, this is the only way to do things. It's just too dogmatic. And I'm like, that doesn't seem quite right. There must be other options out there. So when someone's a little too convincing, I'm like, I don't know. I don't trust you guy or gal, you know? All right. I think that's it for today. Thanks a lot to uh, Mark for joining me something like a year ago. And if you have a success story or a story you want to share, you can reach me feedback at Doug.show. There's a voicemail number in the show notes. So you can check it out and uh, send me a voicemail. I think there's like a three minute max or so. So keep that in mind. It's super helpful if you write out what you think you want to ask beforehand and then time yourself, make sure. I think 90 seconds is kind of perfect. So if you do like a 90 second message, that is fantastic, but it's very helpful to write it out and then make sure the timing is correct. And then you won't have to search for words and then you won't go on tangents either. It'll just keep it nice and tight. All right, that's it for today. Have a great day and I'll catch you on the next episode. 